Chapter 26 of The Inevitable This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Reading done by Jules Harlock. The Inevitable by Louis Capurus. Translated by Alexander Texiera de Matos. THE INEVITABLE CHAPTER Twenty Six. The months dreamed past, and their happiness caused such a summer to bloom in them that she ripened in beauty and he in talent. The pride in them broke into expression. In her it was the blossoming of her being, in him it was energy. Her languid charm became transformed into a proud slenderness her contour increased in fullness a light illumined her eyes a gladness shone about her mouth her hands quivered with nervous emotion when he took up his brushes and the skies of italy arched firmaments between his eyes like a canopy of love and fervid colour he drew and completed a series of water-colours hazes of dreamy atmosphere which suggested turner's noblest creations natural monuments of sheer haze all the milky blue and pearly mistiness of the bay of naples like a goblet filled with light in which turquoise is melted into water and he sent them to holland to london found that he had suddenly discovered his vocation his work and his fame, courage, strength, aim, and conquest. She, too, achieved a certain success with her article. It was discussed, contested. Her name was mentioned. But she felt a certain indifference when she read her name in connection with the feminist movement. She preferred to live with him his life of observation and emotion, and she often imparted to all the haze of his vision, to the excessive haziness of his colored dream, a lustre of light, a definite horizon, a streak of actuality which gave realism to the mist of his ideal. She learnt with him to distinguish and to feel nature, art, all Rome, and when a symbolic impulse overmastered him, she surrendered herself to it entirely he planned a large sketch of a procession of women mounting along a line of life that wound up a hill they seemed to be moving out of a crumbling city of antiquity whose pillars joined by a single architrave quivered on high in a violent haze of evening dusk they seemed to be releasing themselves from the shadow of the ruins fading away on the horizon into the void of night and they thronged upwards calling to one another aloud beckoning to one another with great waving gestures of their hands under a mighty fluttering of streamers and pennants they grasped hammer and pickaxe with sinewy arms and the throng of them moved up and up along the line where the light grew whiter and whiter until in the hazy air there dimly showed the distant vista of a new city whose iron buildings 
like central stations and eiffel towers in the white glimmer of the distance gleamed up very faintly with a reflection of glass arches and glass roofs and high in the air the musical staves of the threads of sound and, and accompaniment and to so great an extent did their influences work upon each other's souls that she learned to see and he learned to think she saw beauty art nature haze and emotion and no longer imagined them but felt them he as in his sketch a very vague modern city of glass and iron saw a modern city rising out of his dream haze and thought of a modern question in accordance with his own nature and aptitudes she learned above all to see and feel like a woman in love with the eyes and heart of a man she loves he thought out the question plastically but whatever the imperfection in the absoluteness of their new spheres of feeling and thought the reciprocal influence through their love gave them a happiness so great so united that at that moment they could not contemplate it or apprehend it it was almost ecstasy a faint unreality in which they dreamed whereas it was all pure truth and tangible actuality their manner of thinking feeling and living was an ideal of reality an ideal entered and attained along the gradual lines of their life along the golden thread of their love and they scarcely apprehended or contemplated it because the everyday life still clung to them but only to the smallest inevitable extent they lived apart but in the morning she went to him and found him working at his sketch and she sat down beside him and leant her head on his shoulder and they thought it out together he sketched each figure in his procession of women separately and sought for the features and the modeling of the figures some had the mongolian aspect of mimi's angel of the annunciations others cornelie's slenderness and her later fuller wholesomeness he sought for the folds of the costumes the women escaped from the violent dusk of the ruined city in pleated pepley and farther on their garments altered as in a masquerade of the ages the long trains of the medieval ladies the veils of the sultanas the homespun of the workwomen the caps of nursing sisters the attire becoming more modern as the wearer personified a more modern age and in this grouping the draftsmanship was so unsubstantial and sober the transition from drooping folds to practical stiffness so careful and so gradual that cornelie hardly perceived the transition that she appeared to be contemplating one style one fashion in dress whereas each figure nevertheless was clad in a different stuff of different cut falling into different lines the drawing displayed an old mastery purity a simplicity of outline which was nevertheless modern nervous and morbid 
but without the conventional ideal of symbolical human forms. The grouping showed a Raphaelite harmony, the watercolor tints of the first studies, the haze of Italy. The ruined city loomed in the dusk as he saw the forum looming. The city of iron and glass gleamed up with its architecture of light, such as he had seen from Sorrento shining around Naples. She felt that he was creating a great work and had never taken so lively an interest in anything as she now did in his ideas and his sketches. She sat behind him silent and still and followed his drawing of the waving banners and fluttering pennants. And she did not breathe when she saw him, with a few dabs of white and touches of light, as though light were one of the colors on his palette, make the glass city emerge as from a dream on the horizon. Then he would ask her something about one of the figures and put his arm around her and draw her to him. And they would long sit scrutinizing and thinking out lines and ideas until evening fell and the evening chill shuddered through the studio and they rose slowly from their seats. Then they went out and in the corso they returned to real life, silently sitting at Aragno's they watched the bustle outside, and in their little restaurant, with their eyes absorbing each other's glance, they ate their simple dinner and looked so obviously and harmoniously happy that the Italians, the two who always sat at the far table, at that same hour, smiled as they bowed to them on entering. End of chapter 26